if you guys would, while they're making their way back, would you guys stand with me as I pray? Um, hopefully, thank you, Sean, for grabbing my table. I appreciate that. Um, I just want to read a part of our calling passage. I, I got so distracted by um, these kids, and what a great job that is, seriously, and how much of the Word of God was all over that, and um, just what a great way to, um, to, to start our morning. Um, I just want to go back to our calling passage real quick and, and then um, pray us into the message that the Lord would have for us this morning. So at the beginning, or right at the very end of the reading, this was out of Exodus 3, it says, Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, what's his name? And he says, tell them I am that I am. Right? And he says, tell my people that I am sent me to you. And then he finishes with this. God also said, because this is how it goes from them to us. God also said, say to this people of Israel, the Lord, Yahweh, the God of our fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that we stand before you the only way we can, because the great I am humbled himself to come here, that we might live his life, because he lives in us. Lord, we gather this Sunday and stand in your awe, for you are awesome. You are the only thing that that word really ought to be applied to, the awesomeness of God. Lord, let us never tire of hearing and seeing and sensing your awesomeness. I thank you that your presence has been made manifest already in this place. I thank you for those sweet kids that proclaimed your truth over your people. As we continue to worship you in your word, I pray that your word would do the work because it is living and active. I don't have to make it that. It just is. Let your word make your people Look like your son by the power of your spirit. For the glory and the fame of the great I am. In your name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. Please have a seat. There is a scene in Luke chapter 4. Don't turn there. It was actually came up on the screen. There were so many passages on that, on that, in that performance, I, I lost track. But there's a scene where Jesus goes to Nazareth. Nazareth was his hometown, right? And he goes to Nazareth, and he goes to the synagogue, as was his custom, which just means he was a good practicing Jew. And they hand him the scroll to read out loud. Now, now there would have been a reading for that day. But what it says there is it says that he just turned to the place in the scroll, was Isaiah 61, actually, and he says, I have come to give, and, and I think... Um, Anita, you prayed it without knowing, or somebody, and then somebody else prayed it, or, and then Brian prayed part of it as well, and then it was in the, I mean, it was just so amazing how the Holy Spirit worked this out, because nobody, none of those people that prayed during our prayer time or the kids knew that this was how I had planned to start the message today, but he, he reads this section of Isaiah 61 where it talks about that I have come to give sight to the blind, to set the captives free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then, it's, and then he says this, which was not in Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 was written 700 years before that moment. But then he says he rolls up the scroll, hands it back to the attendant, who had to have been shocked that he didn't read what he was supposed to read. And then he says, 
Oh, and by the way, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing today. And he sat down. Guys, do, we cannot possibly appreciate the magnitude of that moment in that little town of Nazareth. We can't. It, cannot be un, it can't be overstated that, that they were shocked by what he just said because they understood it like we don't. They understood that he was claiming to be the promised fulfillment of the Messiah. That, that the great I am that is mentioned more than 300 times in the Old Testament, that, that is prophesied about hundreds of times, that, that you have a sheet in your bulletin that has just 40 of those prophecies that were fulfilled in Christ. Just 40 of the hundreds. And he's saying, by the way, that God, that Messiah, the one you're looking to to deliver you, I'm him. Right? We cannot appreciate that the way we ought to. And because we don't appreciate it the way we ought to, we struggle to define our identity well. I loved where Tom took us. I didn't even know Tom was leading prayer today until this morning, which was awesome. But I love where he took us about the identity and how a football player and how, how they define their identity by being part of a team and by practicing. And it's just who they are. It's not just what they do. And some of you maybe are in professions where that is, a, that is something. I, I was a school teacher for 15 years, and I used to say school teaching was not what I did. It was who I was. I mean, it was just, it was just part of my bones, Right now, what as Christians do we identify ourselves the way the world wants us to self-identify? Because that those definitions are constantly changing, aren't they? And if we don't start to identify ourselves well by Christ's identity, we are going to get lost in this ever-increasing, like complex maze of identity politics. So what we want to do, and what we're trying to do this Christmas season, and what does it have to do with the joy of Christmas, is we want our identity to be informed by the Word of God and transformed by who Christ is. So we're going through these seven I am's, and we talked about how because He is the bread of life, we are sustained forever. Like we have complete sustenance in him. Because he is the light of the world. We can be a light in the dark in a dark place because he is the door or the gate. We have access from living in this kingdom to his kingdom that is coming. He is the access to and from those things. Because he is the way, the truth and the life. We can lead people in the way because he is the good shepherd. We can help people hear his voice. Because he is the resurrection and the life, we live eternally. Because he's alive. We don't serve and worship a dead prophet. We serve and worship a risen Lord. Yes. Right? I mean, that, that, that makes all the difference, people. If There should have been more than two amens there. Because if that's not true, we're all dead. That's the bottom line. Right? But because it is true, we have eternal life. And the last one that Jeff taught on last week was the last of the seven I am's was because I am the vine, my identity can be found in my connection to him. Right? That's where our identity needs to be found. It needs to be found here in this book. It needs to be found in who Jesus claims to be. Now let me just ask you real quick before we get to our first talking points. What, how does the world define Christ? How does the world, I'm asking, how does the world define Christ? Nice guy that was a good teacher. Good. Nice guy that was a good teacher. Good. What? 
He knew some stuff. I thought you knew like N E W. I'm like, okay, like he was kind of new stuff, but um, he knew some stuff. Okay, good. He maybe had some like connection with God that the rest of us hadn't really tapped into yet. That's what I believed about him for a long time. I thought, well, he was just a little more connected, and if I could just get as connected as he was to God, then I could be like him. Right? How else do we hear him defined? Prophet, good person. Not relevant. How about non-existent? There's a whole bunch of people that just deny that he ever even existed. Right? Like that, which, which is so crazy because the reality is you don't even have to go to the Bible to realize that there's a man, that there was, even if you don't believe that he was God, that there was a man named Jesus Christ who was crucified because it's written in historical literature outside of the Bible all over the place. In fact, what is today's date? 2021. Why? Because that man died on a cross, right? Like, like, like our whole, and, and even those very people that would say that it's 2021 would, would try, are trying to get away from the reason it's 2021, right? We have, it's because their identity is completely messed up. So with that, um, look at your first talking points question because I just, I want to ask for some more input because our job as Christians is to help people understand who Christ is. Guys, if, if the only goal that Christ had for your life was to save you, you would be gone now if you're saved. right? If his end game for your life was your salvation so that you could just have eternity secured and then maybe have a better marriage and a better family, he would take you home. Why? Because you're going to worship him way better there than any of us ever will here. So he's got to have more for you and your story than simply, and I say that cautiously, than simply to save us. Because that is a big deal. He leaves us here for a purpose, and that is to engage people in the kingdom of God, that they might come into his kingdom. So the talking points question that, we're talking, that we have is, how do we engage people in spiritual conversations in the hopes that, they, that we will help them see who Jesus says he is? So how can we engage people? I'm asking. This is, a, this is the symbol for I'm asking, just so you know. I know I wave around a lot, and I'm all over the place, and I'm like, but what's that? Talk to them. That's a good one. You have to have some, like some conversation with them. Good. How can I pray for you? Good. That's a great one. That's an easy one you can do right there at the checkout counter at the fries. Help them when they need help. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Good. Ask them what they think Christmas is about. Ask questions. Right? I have up there, it's probably you remember the ask, admire, admit. And then the last thing I would say is advocate. That wasn't on the sheet. It just came to me as I was preparing this message. Like, so what I mean is so we want to ask good questions. We want to admire something about what they responded to. Like just say, hey, I think it's, you know, just get, rather than just jump to why that what they're thinking is wrong, admit your own need for Christ and then advocate for Jesus. Share the good news with them. Right? Tell them that, that they don't have to because Christ did. Right? That's the gospel. The gospel, the thing that differentiates Christianity from every other religion in the world, including many that profess faith in Christ but preach good works, is that we don't have to because Christ did. That's the difference. Right, so with that, let's figure out what we're talking about today. So today, we're talking about I am the I am. 
as we're going to start to wrap up this series, as we go into the new year, and our, into our Christmas time, and our end of the new year, we're, the, today's message is called, I Am the I Am, and we're going to ask, do you know the I Am for who He is? Do you know the I Am for who He is? And we're going to look at three things in this passage that we're looking at today. Whose voice are you listening to? What king, do, what king are you committed to? And have your eyes been opened? And we're going to look at um, John chapter 8 to see that. So if you have not already done so, um, the reading for today and our daily readings was John chapter 8, verses 42 through 9, chapter 9, verse 7. Sounds like a lot. It's going to go fairly quickly, I hope. You know, I always say that, though. So we're going to pick it up in John chapter 8. Starting, I'm going to actually pick up the narrative in verse 39, even though our passages are in, in, in um, our passage really starts in verse 42. And we're, and we're ask, asking and answering the question, do you see the I am for who he is? And the first question, the first thing is, whose voice are you listening to? So he says in verse 39, they answered him. So he's in this dialogue with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the, were the premier Jews. They were the, the most religious of the Jewish people. And he's in this dialogue with them, and, and, he, and, he, and they answer to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who's told you the truth I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. <laughs> He says, you are doing, and then get this, it's going to be important in a minute. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Because you got to, again, just like we couldn't appreciate that moment in the synagogue in, in Nazareth, we cannot appreciate the intensity of this moment in Jerusalem. Because he is in a, when they say we are not of, born of sexual immorality, they are taking a shot at his mom. I mean, let's just put it where it's at, right? They are taking a shot. They know where, who his mother is, and they know that she was pregnant before she was married, and they don't, they don't get why. They don't get that it was from God. They don't believe that it was from God, so they're taking a shot at him, and the, debate, and the conversation keeps going. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but from him who sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot hear my word. And then he tells them why. Because you are of your father, the devil. Now guys, do you remember what he said up there in verse He was taking his shot too. In verse 41, you are doing the works your father did. He wasn't talking about their biological father. Because he's talking about, this is, a, this, is a, this is a debate about two kingdoms. The kingdom of man that is ruled by Satan and the kingdom of God that is ruled by Christ. And he knows it. And at some level he knows they know it. They just don't believe he's the Christ. And so he's saying you are of the father of your father, the devil. There are only two kings, right? There's the kingdom of this world. There's the king of this world, Satan, and there's the king, Christ. And that's going to come out again and again in this short passage. And he says, and your will is to do your father's desires. 
Get this, as if to drive the point home. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, there's the difference in the kingdoms. One is the kingdom of Christ based on truth. The other is the kingdom of Satan, this worldly kingdom that is based on lies. It is all lies. And he says, he speaks out of his own character for he is a a liar and the father of lies. But I tell you the truth, You do not believe me. And this dialogue and this debate goes on until verse 50, but we're not going to, but guys, ultimately it's all about there are two truths. There's the the world truth, air quotes, that is being spewed by Satan and controlled by Satan. And oh, by the way, that includes the world political system and everything that goes with it. And, And then there is the truth of God and his word and his kingdom. And that's the other piece of this. He's trying to say, guys, you, you are supposed to be about God's kingdom, and, and instead you're all about your own. But why don't they see the truth that is standing right in front of them? Guys, why don't they see that? Somebody else prayed this earlier. Oh, Anita, that's what you prayed. They, they don't see this because, in, because Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians was written about 15 years after Christ died, after Paul is converted, and Paul tells us. He says, that, he says that I preach the gospel, and though my gospel is veiled, it is, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In other words, he's saying, I'm telling you the good news, and not all of you can hear it. Why? Because there is a veil. Well, who put the veil there? God? No, Satan. It says the God of this world has blinded the mind of the unbeliever to keep them from seeing the glory that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the very image of God. There's, he's saying we can have a little circle up there and all the I am's and, and we, can, we can talk about the light of the world and unless the veil is removed, they cannot see it. Okay, so what we have to do, and I loved where Anita took her prayer, what we have to do, what we've talked about here for a long time, is rather than say, how can they? Whoever the they are, the people that you think are living immorally, the people that you don't like their politics, the people that, that, that whatever it is, how the people that have hurt you, the people, and, and, I, and I'm talking to me too. I was so convicted by your prayer, sister. Thank you for that. But I'm talking to me too. How, instead of saying, how can they fill in the blank? Say, of course they fill in the blank. They can't do anything other than whatever it is they're doing unless they have Christ. Right? That, that we have got to stop calling people to good moral behavior and start calling people to behold Jesus is better. Right? That's what the church is here for, guys. That is it. That's the whole, that doesn't mean that's all Christians should ever be doing. Yes, we should vote. Yes, we should run for politics. Yes, we should, do, we should be involved in our culture in all kinds of ways. But what the church is meant to be doing is proclaiming Jesus is beautiful, not the world is ugly. That's all, that, we've got to flip that thing right on its head. Of course the world is ugly. It's broken. And yes, there are some beautiful places. I grew up at the Grand Canyon. What an amazing place to be. And it pales in comparison to what he has in store in the new creation. I don't even know what that means. 
I just know I'm excited to see it. I hope you are too. So look at your second talking points question. It says, are there people you have all but given up on spiritually because you see no progress? Are there some you are sensing the Spirit is moving on? Take some time to encourage one another by sharing your stories. Guys, I just want to give you guys a minute at your tables or in your seats to turn. Just, I just want to think, it could be, it could even, it could be an unbeliever you see evidences of like spiritual awakening it could be a believer that you see like who's been just really growing but I just want to invite you to turn and talk to the person you're sitting next to and share a couple of names and maybe a little bit to encourage each other that the gospel is still going forward guys that that Jesus is still winning so take a minute and turn to your neighbor and just talk about who do you see evidences of grace in go Okay, I would, um, I would give you more time, but I know we're a little behind the time um, this morning, and, um, and I would also normally ask for input after our table talk question, but, um, but I don't, I'm not sure this one lends itself well to that, but I hopefully, even just hearing, and I, and I love, like, even when we would do, our, in our, during our prayer times, when, when they would have, like, sometimes when Josh leads prayer, he'll have us pray at tables, and you'll hear all those voices going up at once, like, I love that, because God hears every one of those stories, everything that was being talked about there, God heard like it was the only voice in the room. And so I hope what you were encouraged by was, apparently there's some stuff going on for the gospel here, because I didn't hear silence, Right? <laughs> Um, or you guys weren't doing what you're supposed to be doing, but, but you're good students, and so I believe that you were doing what you're supposed to be doing. Guys, that truth that we just talked about, the fact, that, the fact that not everyone can hear God's voice, is part of why we felt led as an elder team to, to teach through the Book of Romans next year for 2022. Because the Book of Romans, talk, that, that is the message of the letter of Romans. Right, and so we're going to start that up in January, and I'm excited for that. I hope you guys are too. Um, we'll be, thank you, ma'am. All right, we'll be, um, we'll be ta- sharing more about that as we go along, but be inviting some people because it is, it is the gospel from beginning to end. I mean, it is, it is Paul's master thesis on the gospel of Jesus Christ, inspired by the Holy Spirit, obviously. So, so here's what we're asking today: Is do you know the I am for who He is? The first question is whose voice are you listening to. The second question is whose king or what king are you connected to? And 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 it, where we ended this last point leads us right into this point. I'm going to pick it up in verse 51 of John chapter 8. He says, "Truly, truly." Remember, that's just the word in Greek. It's just the word "Amen." He's saying, amen, amen, so, th- so, so be it, yes and amen, this is the truth, is his way of saying, is tr- this, here's the truth, 
True that, in our vernacular maybe, would be a better way to say it. I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, and did the, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, they will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him. And I keep his word. Okay, here, here's, the, here, here's this, this. So, man, I mean, again, if you're not getting the intensity of this debate, here is this peasant. I mean, in there, in there, here's this uneducated carpenter peasant fronting up the religious leaders of the time in front of everybody. This is why they killed him. Right here. And, yeah, and winning, by the way. Right but what is he arguing? He's arguing, guys, here's the piece that you're not getting. You're not getting that there are two kingdoms, and you were meant to be in God's. And somewhere along the way, you lost your way. Here's what happened to the, Jew, the Jewish people. They became nationalists. Guys, the call on Abraham in Genesis 13, or in Genesis chapter 12 was a call to set God's people apart. God chose Abraham for no reason, and we'll see this in Romans a lot. God chose Abraham for no reason other than his own divine sovereign will. He said, you're mine, and from you I'm going to make a great nation. But he told them, he told Abraham, and told God's people why for the rest of the Old Testament. He said, right there, when he called Abraham, he said, and from you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. From you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Not just the nation of Israel. But God's people had gotten so nationalistic, they had lost sight of the glory of the message that had set them apart in the first place. And guys, I'm not going to go off on this soapbox, but I'm just going to tell you, we are dangerously close to that in this country. Christian nationalism is not a thing in the Bible. And frankly, neither should this have been for the Hebrew people. We cannot lose sight of the very message that has set us apart in the first place because we are God's people. Guys, if you don't believe me, keep your finger here. Turn to, turn to um, Galatians. It's to the right of where we are. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. I just want to show you real quick where Paul makes this point. So now Paul is, Paul is taking this promise that, 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 that connect the dots here. God makes a promise to Abraham. It's, it's laid out through the entire Old Testament. Jesus is arguing this promise with the Pharisees who have misaligned the promise to be just about the Jewish nation. And Paul, now, now, now go ahead, past the resurrection, Paul is now 
the, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church, Galatia, he's right, and to us, and he says this. Look in chapter 3 of Galatians, verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, what did he believe God about? He, he, Paul's going to tell us. Know then that it is those of faith that are the sons of Abraham. It's the ones who believe in the promise. Remember we talked about that? By faith alone, what is our role in faith? Believing in the promises of God, that's it. He says, so when Abraham believed the promise, but what was the promise? That Israel was going to become a great nation? No. It says the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Preached the what? Preached the gospel to Abraham. Preached Jesus to Abraham. In all the nations you will be blessed. Like all the nations are going to be blessed through you. So then those who are of the faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Jump to verse 16 for the in the interest of time. Now, the, just, just to make the point crystal clear, Paul says, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. Who are his offspring? Man, begs the question. Promise of the gospel made to his offspring. Who's the, who's the offspring? Does it not say, and, does, it, does it not say to, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one? And to your offspring, who is Christ. Paul is making this connection of saying, guys, you got to understand something. All of the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. That's what he says in 2 Corinthians. I think it's 2 Corinthians. He's saying all of the, the 40 on your sheet, the hundreds in the Bible, they all are perfectly fulfilled in Christ. And anybody from any nation, any tribe, any tongue, any language who believes in those promises is his child. We got to stop bickering over who's better and just point people to who's best. Jesus is. Now get this. Go back to our passage. We've got to start getting this plane landed. It says in verse 58, here's the whole, this is the theme of the whole series we're in this Christmas. Jesus said to them, verse 58 of John 8, Truly, truly, true that, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Again, we cannot appreciate the magnitude of what just happened there because the way he said it in the Greek, and I've talked about this throughout the series, is he says, before Abraham was, ego ami. Now here's the thing, and just to, just to bring some, so it's not just Doug saying it, one of the premier Greek scholars, his name is Spiro Zodiades. With a name like that, you have to be a Greek scholar, right? He says this, since Ami alone, the Greek word, since Jesus could have just said, before Abraham was, Ami. And it would have made perfect sense. Before Abraham was, I am. It says, because it could be translated, I am, the presence of ego is meant to add emphasis. Jesus is literally saying, I, yes, I am. He is saying to them, and they would have heard it this way, and we'll see that they did hear it this way by their response. He is saying, I am the I am. Because they're like, wait a minute, Abraham died, you're not that old, how can you possibly? And he's like, because before Abraham even was a thing, I already was. I am the I am. I'm not the I will be. I'm not even the I is. Or I was. I'm the I am. Isn't it interesting? It's the same word 
that the Septuagint uses for Exodus chapter 3. Isn't it interesting that when God gives himself a name, he chooses a verb? And he not only chooses a verb, action. I'm not an English person, but I know verbs are action. He chooses a timeless verb. It's the verb to be in Hebrew, which means was, is, and will be. He's like, so I am, an, I am a God who is active of all time, outside of time. And Jesus here is going, and oh, by the way, I am that one. So here's the question for us. is Because we're asking this question today. Do you see the I am for who he is? Is Christ your king? Or is he just sort of your king? Do you take your jersey off and hang it up after church today? And then live your life no different than anybody else did. Guys, don't hear, now, as soon as I say that, don't hear morality. Yes, Jesus cares greatly about how we behave. But he cares more about the motivation for why you behave. Right? If it is not become so that you'll believe, so that you'll behave. It's behold so you'll become. Just behold him as better. Just see him as better than anything else. Any, any just anything else. I'll, I'll just leave it there because I don't want to get derailed again. Look at your last talking points question. Time is short. Eternity is long. Hell is real. And Jesus saves. I'm going to read Revelation 9 real quick. I skipped some other stuff because so, I, would, I would rather read the word than what I wrote. In Revelation 19, I'm just going to read it because it says to do that in the talking points. It says, After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud, a loud voice of great multitudes of heaven crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute. Guys, that's the world system. That's the world government system. That includes our government. He has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who were seated on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all his servants, who he, who, who, you who fear him, small and great. Now get this, I'm just going to read three more verses. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of, a, of mighty peals of thunder, crying out. Guys, this is the church, by the way. Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride, the church, has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So who's your king? He's coming again. Guys, Advent, we live in the, Advent is a celebration of his first coming. The second Advent is a thing, and it's his second coming. We live in the space between the Advents. The question becomes, who's your king? Is it the one he's describing coming back for? Are you the bride who's made herself ready? So let's 
begin to land this plane with our last point. So we're talking about, do you see the I am for who he is? Who's your, whose voice are you listening to? What king and kingdom are you committed to? And the last thing is, have you heard his voice? Guys, if these first two truths, you hear his voice, and you're committed to the right king, I love where John takes us in his gospel next in John 9 because it lays out this is what it looks like to have the right answer to those questions. So look in in John chapter 9 and verse 1, and we're going to look at our last point. Have your eyes been opened? And it goes quickly, I promise. As he passed by, so he's, he's been in the middle of this dialogue. Oh, but well, let me back up in verse 59 just to, just to make the point that, that they got what Jesus meant. So he says, I am the I am. They pick up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went off to the temple. Guys, first of all, that would have been against the law for them to do, so they had to have been really angry. The fact that Jesus, because this, this is what I heard, this is what I believed as, a, as, a, as I moved from atheist to agnostic to to Jesus' follower, because I thought he was all those things we talked about at the beginning, a good person, a moral teacher, a one that, was, that had figured out the connection with God. As, I was on the, as God was dragging me to faith in Christ in my 20s, what I, what I believed was, um, well, Jesus never really claimed to be God, so I don't have to believe that he's God. Guys, the fact that they were going to stone him, the fact that he was crucified, that his claim to be God is the only historical reason for his crucifixion. That is what they crucified him for. It was because he claimed to be God. That was considered blasphemy to them. And they had him killed for it. Now let's pick it up in our point of, but have your eyes been opened. So, he's, so he, ends this, he, he, he ends this conversation by somehow miraculously slipping through their midst so he doesn't get stoned to death because his time had not yet come. And it says, as he passed by, he saw a man born blind. And his disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Because I, I, I do have to I know this point's gotta go fast, but I, I do have to just say, like, like, does it show even even these are his disciples asking this question? Do you see how broken they are, even in their thinking? First of all, they had a wrong theology. What they believed is that if somebody had a physical ailment, it was because they had unconfessed sin in their life. Look up the book of Job. Right? So that, that was the theology of the time. If you were ailing, then either you or your parents had sinned. But get this other piece. This man has been in the dark his whole life. And, and because that culture would connect his blindness with being a sinner, nobody would pay attention to him. And neither would Jesus' disciples. All they do is go, hey, so whose fault was it that this dude is the way he is? How can he be that way? It, it just shows such a callousness of heart that I can be guilty of, frankly. He says in verse 3, Jesus answered, It is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I... He's talking about his second advent, by the way. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Remember, we did that one. It's on the wall. Having said these things, he's, now get this, guys. Just a picture, don't just read this. Picture this. The God of the universe must have knelt down, picked up, I don't know how he spit in the dirt or picked up the dirt and spit, and then uses his spit, spit on the ground, and made mud with the saliva. 
So he takes it, gets it all dirty, his hands are filthy, and then puts it on the guy's eyes. Well, the dude probably didn't see it coming. So, I mean, there is that. Right? But, but like, seriously, I mean, can you imagine everybody else? Oh, that's gross. Oh, wow, really? Right? They don't know what's going to happen. We're reading it going, oh, this is cool. I'm telling you, that would not have been cool. Watching a dude hack up a loogie, make mud, and stick it in somebody's face is not probably where any culture would be like, yeah, man, let's get healed. Right? No. He says, he says, sorry, I don't even know what a loogie is, actually. He says, okay, you got the picture, good. He says, and then he says to them this, go and wash in the pool of Shalom, which means scent. So he went and washed, and get this, and he came back seeing. His whole life in the dark. Blind. Guys, that man, that is the spiritual condition of everyone in this room that does not know Jesus Christ. How do I know? Because that was me. That was you. In the dark, scared, full of fear, not trusting. All those things that even as a believer I still struggle with sometimes. But this man came back seeing. As our music team comes up and we go into our time of response and we're going to go into communion. We're going to have communion as couples. Guys, I'm going to invite you to think about a couple of things. Do you see? Do you see? He came back seeing. Do you? If not, is today your day? Because I'm not going to lead you through a prayer. I don't have the words to give you. I cannot open your eyes. The Holy Spirit is the only one in the room that can do that. But he's in the room. And he wants to be in you. So do you see? Have your eyes been opened like this man here? Guys, maybe you do see dimly. Do you trust Jesus enough that he, that, to believe that he came here to get in the dirt that he might anoint you and heal you so that you could see perfectly? Because the I am is the best corrective lens you can possibly have on everything that is going on in your life. There is no LASIK. There is no cataract something. There is no nothing that can compare to the fact that Jesus will touch you if you ask him to no matter what you've done. There are people in this room that think they're too far gone. That is a lie literally from the pit of hell. There are people in this room who think that they've done things in their past or are currently involved in now that Jesus would never touch. Guys, that is not true. If Jesus were in this room right now physically, he would go to the one who is the most dirty. He would. It's who he is. Not who he was. Not who he will be. 
It's those things too, because he's the I am. But it's who he is. But is he that to you? Is he that kind of savior to you? Because there'll be couples and, and you can pray, obviously pray with them as you take communion and remember the sacri- that, that the same God who sacrificed himself, like you came here as a baby born in a barn to, to walk to a cross, to die for us. That's what communion celebrates. So that not only we could live with him in eternity, but that we could live with him in victory today. Communion is a time of victory. Because I, I would pray that, that it, and again, it, as we're Go, as we're having this time of communion, and maybe you're waiting for your time to go up to the couples that will be scattered around the room, or you need prayer, there'll be a couple in the back that will pray with you if you just want to pray, um, or you want to do both. You want to take communion and then go pray. It's okay. But I would, I would ask you to not enter into a time of chattiness while you're waiting. Like, this should be the most holy, solemn time in our service. Because it is the time that, like no other time in this hour and 45 minutes has have we are we focusing on what christ did on our behalf so that we can see so i would ask you if you feel comfortable as you're just sitting there waiting waiting to just have that attitude of response and reception to close your eyes to just to to lift your hands up if you want to go write a card on the wall and put it on the wall or hang it on the cross you're free to do whatever you would but i would ask you to take this time to reflect and to receive and i'll close with this and i really am done at the end of the story with this man he gets his parents get pulled in with the blind man They get questioned. They're afraid that the Pharisees are going to blame them for Christ getting glory. And so they're asking this man, like, how did you, we've we've known you've been blessed. We have walked by you in contempt your whole life. And now you stand before us seeing. Explain that. Did you let that sinner, that's what they thought Jesus was, did you let that sinner touch you? that hang there for a second. And then the man responds to them. He's like, I'm not going to get into this debate about who Jesus is with you. Guys, end the debate right now in your head. I'm telling you as a man who spent eight years, literally eight years of my life, debating about who Jesus was because I thought if I could fully understand it, fully understand him, I would finally be able to accept him. Guys, you don't have to fully understand. You'll never fully understand. You don't have to fully know to fully embrace. Get over yourself. See him as enough. And this man says to them, I'm not going to get into that debate with you about who Jesus is. He says, and then he says this, it's in verse 25. He says, here's all I know. I once was blind, but now I see. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the beautiful, 
good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you that you have touched the seeing eyes in this room. I thank you that you're a savior that that's what, that's what Christmas celebrates, that you're a savior that came here so that you would touch us with your very presence because you walked to a cross that you didn't deserve. And even as I and we were nailing you to that cross, and we were, you reached, you reached out and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lord, may, may we just receive you, Lord Jesus, in abundance in these coming days. When fears well up and frustrations mount and all those things in the world and its kingdom and its king try to put in our way, May we just have an attitude of reception and say, here's all I know. I was blind, and now I see by the grace of God. In Jesus' name, amen.